and welcome to But Why Though the podcast. This month, we will be doing a entire line of Star Wars specials. That means we are going to be covering the different parts of Star Wars that everybody loves. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And our super special guest that we brought on to talk about all about the books this week, Suara. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me again. And this is like my third time I've been on the show. I feel like a recurring host. I love it. And I love your guys' podcast so much. And I love you guys. So I'm so glad to be on here. It's because we love you, Sora. And why don't we tell the listeners a little bit about your awesome Star Wars podcast? Yes, if you haven't listened to episodes I've been on before, I am the co-host of Beltway Banthas, the Star Wars and politics podcast looking at all of the political parallels within Star Wars, the politics of Star Wars, and anything that's in that intersection of politics and Star Wars. So uh, yeah, we're a bi-weekly podcast, and my co-host Stephen and I, uh, we talk about all of those things, and we're both obviously really psyched for The Last Jedi. So yeah. So I will not taking the lead this episode because fun fact for listeners i have not read much if at all any of the books from star wars the novelizations the comic books the extended universe in general my knowledge does not extend to printed material so i will be handing over my jedi robe or i guess (laughs) we'll turn into a sith robe to Adrian, who will be bringing us through this journey of why the extended universe and the books matter so much to this franchise that we all love. If um, listeners need to know, I am wearing a black robe currently. So <laughs> it's accurate. It's completely accurate. Uh, yeah, so we are going to go through it. As, as always, we'll start off with our intro question, just in general. I guess you kind of heard Kate's, I guess. Uh, but what is your involvement with the extended universe novelizations and what's your favorite book so far, whether it be legends or this new Canon material, Sora? So I presume that when you're saying extended universe, are you including everything pre Disney or after uh, what, are, what are the stipulations? Yeah, just, just in general, we'll include all of it just because well, I think it's, yeah. I think it's too early for like the Canon to override some of that older stuff. If you like that. So I don't want to, pigeonhole you into just saying one right right but what is really interesting for me and i'm someone who grew up with legends and the expanded universe novels i loved a lot of them particularly novels in the new jedi order and uh some of the legacy of the force novels and uh several others like set during the prequels and stuff like i read a bunch of them maybe like 50 or something like a lot but i have to say that i really love what they've been doing post the disney merger and the quality of the novels we've gotten now and my favorite is actually one of the most recent novels released leia princess of alderaan written by claudia gray and it just talks about how leia became the amazing badass we see her in a new hope so that would have to be my favorite one of the most recent ones that's come out Awesome. That's a great answer. Uh, <laughs> for me, I mean, obviously, I'm only 24, so I didn't grow up uh, really reading the novelizations until I was probably about in middle school into into high school. And I just really just picked them up from um, just like Goodwills and stuff, like Bargain Bin bargain bin stuff. Uh, so I like read just obs- some of the just obscure stuff that had literally nothing to do with any of the main story. 
and I just really, really liked it. So when Disney got a hold of Star Wars and these new novelizations came out, I was determined just to start and just listen. Because I listen to all my stuff on audiobook just because I have long commutes. So I just listened to all, literally everything I can for these new novelizations. I've listened to everything except for the newest Luke Skywalker book just because I don't want to risk anything spoiling the, the last Jedi. I don't think it does, but you know, it doesn't hurt to be safe. I think my favorite book, I, I guess I'll just go from the new novelizations uh, would have to be, I really, really do like the infernal squad books. The infernal squad book is really, yes. really, really good. I think the characters in it are great. And I think it just gives a different perspective of the empire and you know those in it. And we'll talk about that later on when we get into the but why those, but I think that'd be my favorite one right now. So I've read all of the novelizations of all of the movies that I have. Read. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like I have like my cousin bought me it, it looks like a Bible, but it's the original trilogy bound together on like super Bible thin paper and has beautiful artwork on the covers and on the insides. And so I have that novelization. I read that and then I read the prequel novelizations and uh the Force Awakens one. So I have. Yeah, no, that's super fair. And I really want to dress up as Poe's mom because I've like I've I've seen a couple of bits of the Poe Dameron uh, comic book, and I need to get on the comics. I need to get on the audiobook. So I am aware that I need this in my life, and I can't wait to hear you guys tell me more about why. Yeah, I think I think it's totally fair to say that because the novelizations do give more to the story than the actual movies do. So I think that's totally fair. And then like you doing that, I think gives you a little bit of a leg up on someone who's, who hasn't read those books. So I think it's totally fair for sure. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I just want to chime in and say, yeah, absolutely. You've got so much room to do things in a novel that you can't do in a film that's so limited in time. So yeah, you do often garner like really deep insights from reading the novel. So that's awesome, Kate. Yeah, because I think for me, and I've talked about it on other episodes, I know Adrian's main thing is world building in our episodes. For me, it's always relationship building. I want to see how these characters interact with the people around them. And that was something that I, I really loved the novelizations for, especially The Force Awakens. Right there with you. Um, and then just on your point for the Poe Dameron comic, just for the sake of getting our listeners out of here on time, we're just going to focus specifically on the novelizations and not so much on the comics. Not that the comics aren't important. They are, they really, really are, especially for the, um, the legends or the expanded universe stuff. Like that's where a lot of these, you know, the dark Banes and, and all the dark empire, those comics were super, super important. But I think in this new realm of Disney, I think the books have taken kind of the more of the forefront. So we're going to stick mostly with those. I just think that the comics deserve kind of their own episodes. So hopefully down somewhere down the line, we can, uh, Kate can get caught up on the comics and I can get caught up on the comics and then we can pick score back and we can do this all over again, but for the comics. Uh, so for a quick history of the novelizations, because some of you may be realizing, oh, we keep talking about different periods of these novelizations. So we're gonna go through it real, real quick. So prior to Disney acquiring Star Wars, the expanded universe or EU is generally considered to have begun um, in 1978 with a Star Wars spinoff novel, Splinters of the Mind's Eye. Uh, but again, it technically began in 1977 with the Keepers of the World Marvel comic. But you know, for our sake, we'll, we'll just say 1978 just for the novelization sake of it. So much of the expanded universe material from the 1980s contained analogies to the real world, which belied the impression that Star Wars universe had no connection um, to Earth or our own time. So they really, really kind of set it apart. Uh, in a galaxy far, far away. Um, 
a turning point and kind of like it really, really kicks off the expanded universe is in 1987 when West End Games begins publishing a role-playing game. So in order for the players of the role-playing game to create adventures, West End, West End Games needed to provide supplemental material describing the Star Wars universe. So for example, the alphabet that kind of has a um, just like very, very small role in Return of the Jedi, Stephen Crane, one of the people who was involved in making the role-playing game basically copy that into an actual alphabet into a working alphabet that we see in the, in the prequel trilogy which you see in just about everything else for star wars so that really kind of fleshed out a lot of stuff from the movies that we didn't really have into um into you know the ether into the, the fans the fans ears uh, so you see a lot of that from like a lot of the the species that are created so like the rodians and things like that those are first got really really fleshed out in that role-playing game. So in the early 1990s, um, we get probably like the kicking off point and one of my favorite expanded universe uh, trilogies is the Thrawn trilogy from Timothy Zahn. And for those of you who uh, I guess are in Twitter lately, he's the one, the big blue guy who's getting posed in sexy pictures on Twitter apparently. Those are the uh, only in... pictures that matter, Adrian. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, for those of you who watch the Star Wars Rebels TV show, he is you know the big the the admiral, and his story there was amazing, um, and that really kind of kicked everything off for the fandom, and basically started like a revolution for the Star Wars literature. So at this point, the bulk of the expanded universe um, was basically done like after the Return of the Jedi. There wasn't really too much stuff going on before it yet, so a lot of it has to do with you know. Um, the, the Skywalker family, you know, what happens after that, what happens to the Jedi, Jedi Order and things like that. And then at some point, they basically said, uh, George Lucas said, you know, things like Anakin Skywalker, Emperor Palpatine and the Clone Wars were basically off limits for development because they were getting ready to do the prequel trilogy. So a lot of these Spanish Universe stuff at that point started doing stuff either way, way before the prequels or way, way after. Uh, so prior to the Phantom Menace, uh, Lucas Arts did did prohibit that, so you get stuff which I really like. Again, um, other than the Timothy Zahn uh, Thrawn books, it's the Old Republic stuff was my jam. For those of you who listened to any of our episodes where we talked about like the Star Wars games, the Knights of the Old Republic is one of my favorite uh, video games of all time, and there's lots of novelizations on that, and it's amazing. Y'all should go check it out; it's great. So. Once you were able to start making novelizations about like the prequels and stuff, you do get some of that stuff in there, like very a little bit before and a little bit after and a little bit during, uh, like Swar mentioned earlier, uh, about some of the stuff for the prequels at the start of our episode today. And that's really it. So you get stuff either way before, you don't get a whole lot of stuff, and there's just a whole, whole bunch. They introduce completely new characters that the movies never talk about. You, you get all these new um new sex and all these great things. And then Disney takes over in 2014 and then none of it matters basically. Uh, so on April 25th, that would hurt my soul. Like really bad. Yeah. You, you know, I, I just like want to, so st going back to uh, like 2012 when Disney bought Lucasfilm, you know, I was a, always a, a knee in deep fan of the expanded universe. And I was really, initially somewhat trep not trepidatious but i 
thought, what is Disney going to do? It seems so weird. And to like recall everything that happened before, but increasingly I realized again, personally, as a fan of the EU, that I was actually becoming somewhat less of a fan of it because it was going all over the place. It was like going on these really bizarre storylines. It was talking about Luke's great, great grandson in the latest comics they were doing and i mean it, yeah fan theories do that now yeah fan theories do that <laughs> now but they weren't canon then you know what i mean it wasn't yeah. something that yeah you would feel compelled to necessarily read or listen to which is what the eu was back then and i think it's really important to know in regards to george lucas is that he was very laissez-faire with how they would let how they would you know do whatever stories they wanted to and however they would contradict themselves he really wasn't was never really a continuity guy except in regards to the properties and timelines he would be working on specifically palpatine and the prequels so that's how it was allowed to get so out of hand and yeah you had such great rich characters like thrawn mara jay jason and jana solo uh anakin solo uh the continuing adventures of han luke and leia but and Thrawn, obviously, or Jay already said Thrawn. Thrawn, yeah, because he's awesome. One more time, and, one more time. Yeah, and Thrawn, who's really Yeah, there awesome. we go, got it. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing is, but even so, the thing is, it was just so unyieldy. You couldn't really follow it. So once Disney decided, you know what, we're going to do the soft reboot, and we're going to make these new stories that will actually incorporate really great elements of Legends, such as we've seen with Thrawn and a couple other characters here and there. I think it's really good overall. And I'm as a devoted Star Wars fan, I'm all the happier for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're completely right. Like continuity was completely out of the window for this because I mean, it's, you know, at that point, almost 30 years of just letting not just like anybody write these stories, obviously, but just like letting authors kind of just do their own thing. Cause you're right. George Lucas was just like, Hey, as long as you don't touch the stuff in my six movie plan, you can do whatever you want, basically. So they let them go back super, super far and then let, you know, there be like 17 million Skywalker family things. So oh I think you're totally God. right. <laughs> so once Disney does take over, it was announced in 2014 that uh, through basically through a StarWars.com press release that that confirmed that the sequel trilogy would not adhere to anything post return of the Jedi expanding universe, which is a lot of inf like a lot, a lot of books. Um, and then further a Lucas book center senior editor confirmed that EU as a whole did not, was not Canon and it was done. So, and they were even going to return, re recoin the, the phrase EU to legends. So from here on out, we're going to use legends uh, through the rest of this episode so basically, which that means is that everything done outside of the six movies, well, seven movies now, I guess, the six at the time, the six movies, the Clone Wars animated series, and a Dark Horse comic book about Darth Maul, everything else was moved to Legends. Even the a couple of the books that came out just right when Disney took over, or like right before Disney took over, even those were relegated to Legends. So. For perspective, that's about two. I think from what I from the count that I found on the Star Wars, you know, Wikipedia, that's over two hundred and fifty novelizations, um, 
during night from 1978 to 2013, over 250 novelizations were just kind of relegated to legends. And they, yeah. And they date back as far as a hundred thousand BBY, which is before the battle of Yavin to a hundred ABY or to about a hundred ABY after the battle of Yavin. So all that stuff out the window gone. Yeah. They went far with those novels. (laughs) <laughs> yes they really did like they even so, there's everything. some of them that yeah basically everything like, especially like it goes back even further if you take into account the visual guys that yeah. they basically made legends like the ones that talk about like the creation of like the, the the galaxy that they're in and things like that like 13 billion years ago um yeah they went back like pretty far like like honestly the way they were doing the novels and the way they were trying to fill in as many gaps as th- possible it would have been honestly impossible for uh the new disney lucasfilm regime to make any sort of new story so they really had to do this reboot if they really wanted to make these new movies to make these new properties for people you know and it's like and it's like the thing is i love the novels but the general audience that takes in star wars doesn't read the novels you know that's just a fact and especially as they were again, as they were becoming so uncoordinated and so unyieldy, I think that people were less incentivized to buy and read them. And I actually heard on a Star Wars podcast today someone say that he was feeling like, yeah, actually, I didn't really like it that much anymore. As I was, we were getting like so much of this. So yeah, Disney really had to do it and coordinate it in such a way that it wouldn't be necessarily absolutely essential to the story, but it would give you really cool and deep insights provided to you and coordinated with the Lucasfilm story group so that, um, yeah, like you would want to read it. And you, again, Lucasfilm and Disney could tell these new stories, which is fantastic for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. And it allows them to see like, you know, cause you know, how often do we see just from these, uh, the era that we're in with comic books of people coming in and saying, well, that's not how it happened in the comics. You know, oh, this, yeah. this Lucasfilm would be like, well, well, that doesn't matter. It's not canon. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah, because I'm and good honest, out for it. Yeah, I think Adrian, like here, like hearing you put it like that for me, because I, I've always been a person who, like, I can kind of separate book and movie adaptation, but for some reason with comic books, I can't do that. Like, I will literally gripe on the smallest things. So it's a really smart move, marketing wise and company wise, to say, well, we don't have any guidelines to go by this is all new this will be its own thing don't compare it to anything else which i think too like i like i know i kind of like mentioned fan theories but i think that's one of the reasons why the fandom gets so invested in the talk around it because there's they're trying to connect the old with it like what will stay what gets completely you know what gets completely thrown out and what looks similar to what we already had and you know drawing those connections like their entire podcast about that so um I do have a question though, when it comes to things being canon, and I know you said like the movies, um, the movies obviously don't have to do with the canon in this in the sequels. Um, so how does that work? Like, are things canon until they're proven not officially, or is it all just not canon and none of it matters? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's great. Like, it brings me right um, into my next point. So by the end of this year, we're going to have a total of about 40 novels and young adult books as they're classified from through star Wars. That's not including any of the comics. Um, and those are just, a, that only happened a couple decades before 
defensive menace and basically a few years, you know, before um, the force awakens and some stuff that happened after the force awake or a little bit after the force awakens. So this is nothing before or nothing after the movies basically. And for my own personal take on it for legends versus Canon, just because there's so much legends material out there, stuff is Canon in my head until something comes out that completely discredits the legend story. And that's fine. Like then, okay, then I'll accept that as canon until right, something right. says no. Right. For example, you would count like Knights of the Old Republic and Revan as canon until proven otherwise. It takes place something like 5,000 or 3,000, 4,000 years before A New Hope. And so far, there hasn't really been anything to dispute that. So I think that we're really referring to things that happen in the distant past, you know, like in the yeah. chronology of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's even as recent as like the the Darth Plagueis book that came out in I think it's twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, like right. right before all this this stuff happened. Right. Um, nothing other than the basically the history of Darth Maul has come out, and then use these new canon books to kind of discredit. It's in uh, the uh, Palpatine's like basically basically rise to power. Nothing's come out that says that that's not true. So until something comes up, Darth Plagueis is still one of my favorite books canon for me so it's um and it's different with every person uh, we were talking with one of the members of the 501st for our uh, missions that matter episode just recently and he's the complete opposite he's like no if it's not canon i don't care about it basically so uh yeah it, i think just personal preference at this point yeah it's definitely personal preference and i think we really need to remind people that these books these stories are still there. There's over 250 of them. They're still there for you to enjoy. You could see the, you'd see, for example, the new Jedi Order as an alternate timeline. Like imagine if Barry Allen, the Flash, was in Star Wars and he went back and screwed up the timeline, then uh, we would get what you'd have with Legends. And that could be really fun for people that, to explore if like, you want different, like uh, more idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic take on the Star Wars universe, hey, this is there for you. And it ju it, just because it's not what is officially what happened does not lessen the enjoyment you can take out of that, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. You mad that Boba Fett got eaten by the Sarlacc? Go read the Legends book. They say he's still alive because nothing's come out and says that he's not, like he's dead in canon. So, you know, there's plenty <laughs> of ways to get around, you know. That's up for the legends. So let's get into some of the why those. I think we're 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 hitting the surface on some of the things that um, that we want to talk about today. So my first big but why though for why these novelizations matter, whether it be or this new canon material, is that they are completely supplemental to you enjoying the fandom and are by no means required. Um, Kate is a huge Star Wars fan, and like she said at the beginning of the podcast, she is not into any of that stuff. Uh, Swar and I love that, and we're also big Star Wars fans. Like, it does not dictate how well like you can enjoy this fandom. Um, and that same point, though, I do think that it deepens the understanding of the Star Wars universe if that's something you care about. Like, Kate likes to know the color of Aquaman's stunt double's eyes. I think Kate <laughs> would love the novelizations of of Star Wars for sure. Because uh, I really do think that some, even some of the stories themselves can stand alone outside of Star Wars universe and just generally be good books if you just like replace the names and like the scenery, basically. Personally, I think Lost Stars is a great, you know, like romantic 
young young adult novel. I actually Phasma I, is I own Lost Stars because my mom bought it for me because she saw that it was Star Wars. I actually have that like book. That one is really good. You should, you should, it's really good. Uh, Phasma's um, a really good, a really good novel. Even if I don't, even if I don't like Phasma, I think Phasma's great. Oh, I think oh, the new Phasma is always fantastic. I love Phasma. Um, and I think they give new perspectives too. Um, on my first watch of Rogue One, personally, I thought it was okay. I didn't put it in my kind of like upper echelon of the Star Wars movies. But then I read, or then I listened to uh, Catalyst, which is like a prologue to it. Uh, Rebels Rising and things like that, and it gave me a whole new perspective on like why I should care about these characters that basically die at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! Sorry, uh, it really did give me a perspective on it, and I think that's something supplemental that I could I, I could have been okay not you know loving Rogue One, but because I read those not or I listened to those books and I spent some time with it, I it enhanced me a little bit. I leveled up a little bit uh, for my appreciation of of them. You also get new perspectives of not only you know the Empire, but you also get new perspectives on the Rebels as well. I think you can really get this out of Lost Stars, which is basically a um, a romantic novel about two kids who grow up to be uh, Imperial Imperial troopers, uh, pilots, and things like that. You get a really good story there. Inferno Squad, which I mentioned at the beginning, which is basically has to do with the uh, the campaign for the new Battlefront game with Iden Versio in the relationship with her father and things like that. And then you have the Aftermath trilogy, which gives you a perspective on, you know, there's other people in uh, the Empire who might not think that it's going in the right direction and they want to turn it a different way, particularly after the Battle of Yavin and the Empire starts to crumble. Um, and you also get the same thing from just kind of like everyday people, like the soldiers. You get that from the Aftermath trilogy as well. But also Twilight Company and Rebels Rising kind of gives you a look into the Partisans, which is Saul Guerrero's group, and kind of like what their perspective on this whole thing is as well. So you get different perspectives, but it doesn't really, if you, like Swore said at the beginning, a lot of people don't read these books and they still love it. So I don't think it's needed, but it can definitely give you just a little bit more if you want more outside of just the movies and, you know, I guess the Clone Wars TV show. Yeah. And, and I think like, honestly, for me, like I've, I've played quite a few of the games, not as many as you have. Um, but I like extra content. Like I devoured the Clone Wars. I love, like, I love adding stuff to movies and stories, but I guess you like, I just want to put it out there. Like, it's not that like the books aren't my thing. I've always wanted to jump into them. But I've always been like, I was that kid in school who did nothing but school. Like I had no time to do anything but reading what was assigned to me. And so by the time it w I would have personal time, my, my brain would just be completely fried. And so it's been really hard to dig into the books that I want to dig into. Um, but that being said... Adrian preaching about his love of the audiobooks makes me really happy because I listen to podcasts all the time and I can, you know, I need to replace podcasts with these books because I, I hear, you know, on, on your show, Suara, on Beltway, and I hear Adrian talk about these books and I'm just kind of like, I, I want that extra stuff. At this point, I don't know why I haven't gone out and got it. I, I genuinely couldn't say I why. Think, I, th I think like these books are a commitment. I think you do need to dedicate time to 
you know, obviously reading them, absorbing the characters, absorbing the settings and compartmentalizing it into how this fits into the wider Star Wars universe. And often at times it can really feel like, especially when you're on Twitter, if you're on Tumblr, if you're seeing people reacting to these books, it feels like an obligation, which honestly is not. And I felt this many times as well. And I've been late reading certain books. Like sometimes a book will come out and I'll see that someone has read it in a day. And I'm like, whoa, was I supposed to read this in a day? Does that make me like not a good fan of these novels if I haven't? No, of course not. We lead busy lives. We need have to budget our time in such a way that, you know, we can enjoy these books. Like they're meant, they're not meant to be homework assignments. They're meant to just give us, you know, because we love this universe and it enriches it for us. It's meant to act in that sort of pleasurable um, setting. And I just really think that it's to the beat of your own drum. And I think that what you mentioned about listening to podcasts all the time and audiobooks uh, being a good uh, mechanism to get into that is really great. If it works for you, go for it. I mean, I encourage you to do so. But the thing is, and I say this for a lot of like uh, Star Wars friends of mine, um, like that, yeah, I just say, yeah, these novels are really great. And I'll list the reasons like X, Y, and Z. Like, for example, Adrian, you mentioned Catalyst. I love that novel so much. It, It gave me such great... I read it before I saw Rogue One and I love i actually love orson krennic i think he's an amazing villain yeah i think i think yeah i think you're right like i I remember telling this to kate um because i was uh, i was trying to avoid stuff at that point so i didn't read or i didn't listen to the catalyst book and i wish i would i wish i would have because i think i would have liked rogue one on my first watching had i gone back and had i gone had i seen or listened to like uh what Krennic was going through, you know, what, you know, Jin was going through as like a kid during all that stuff. I think you're completely right. Like it definitely gives you a little bit more and I'm jealous that you listened, that you got to read it before I, before you watched the movie. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, like, I think part of it was that I really like James Lucino. I've liked a lot. He was the one who wrote the book. He's written uh, old EU novels that I've really loved as well. So that was part of the incentive for me there. And about Krennic, he's, very much like, and I'm saying this in light of uh, the act, what's been happening with this actor who we see exposed as a scumbag. But still, at the time, I really liked the character of Frank Underwood on House of Cards, you know, played by Kevin Spacey, the scumbag in question. And I saw Orson Krennic a lot like that, a, an amazingly manipulative villain who knew how to... Uh, treat his friends and acquaintances as puppets for his own ends. And I really like that in my villains. It's why Palpatine is my favorite villain. And I will say though, Adrian, I appreciate you saying that it allowed you to enjoy Rogue One more, but I am very much of the opinion that these properties should generally stand on their own in that I think that you should enjoy Rogue One in and of itself fully for what it gives you as a film. Although it is definitely great to have that background information about Orson Krennic, I still found myself watching Rogue One actually disappointed that I didn't get what I got in this novel 
with him. You know, he just seemed to be an ambitious guy that who gets his ass kicked in the film. Oh, but again, I appreciate your point of view on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I actually think I was the only one who really, really like loved Rogue One on the first. Like, I came out of that movie hyped in love with it and even though i had matt saying it was a money grab i was still hyped with it um and that is a reference to your pokemon episode go listen to it um but i also understand that given a lot of the reshoots the production things so much of what these characters backstories were and their relationships with each other was probably shot and cut out and I think we have a lot of stuff to prove that. And I do, like, I fully acknowledge those issues with that movie. So I think that it's totally great to say, hey, I acknowledge the issues with this movie, but I read this novel. And when I pair them both together, it really makes me appreciate the full story because this is what was intended. And there's, like, no campaign to see, like, the original cut of Rogue One with everything before it. So, I mean, that probably makes it easier yeah. to swallow, too. Yeah. I'm also I just, yeah. I'm Sorry, I just want to say I'm also just uber critical on films generally, so <laughs> that probably plays into it for me as well. No, I think I think you're totally right. Now that I'm like thinking back on it, maybe I would I probably would have liked Rogue One less actually if I had gone back and and listened to the book first, just because the book was so good. I think I I would have been upset that I didn't get more of um, Saw Gerrera. I would have been upset that I didn't get more of of. Jen's mom, who is amazing in the book, and we get her for five seconds, and she gets shot, and you get yeah. nothing of her. So I think I think you're completely right. So I think it's just different shows for different folks, yeah. right? But I think I it mean, I me was oh sorry, I was gonna say I was bad. I didn't get more Sagar, and I didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> don't go uh, with, don't, well, you don't want to hear my thoughts on Saw. Ugh. <laughs> Rebel Rising is really good. You should go. I mean, I tell you to go listen to go read them all, Kate. So don't even listen to my suggestions. Anymore. I, 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 was was say, like, I already have like Ahsoka and the Leia books top, and then it's, Poe it's, it's and... true. All of it, all of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> See what you did there, think, Adrian. Yeah, thanks, man. See, <laughs> I like a little Star Wars in my day. Uh, so I think that's kind of brings me to my next point. On, I guess you can kind of take it for a bad thing or a good thing, but if you want more on these characters or you need more on these characters, they expand these novelizations allow you to expand on the characters but not only not even the characters but the settings that they take place in the politics that are going around that some people hate you get you can't you do get a lot of it explained and fleshed out inside of these novelizations that are probably never going to make to the big screen like we're never going to see orson krennic's story uh we're never going to see sagarera's story other than you know the clone wars series and things like that so you have an avenue to get them there um, you get unanswered questions about character origins that you're probably never going to see, like, uh, you know, that character in the Star Wars Cantina in Mos Eisley. Like, you're never going to know why that guy's face is messed up, but you can get it in the Star Wars novelizations if you really do care about it. Uh, galactic politics, and I'm going to let Swar take this one because he does a podcast about literally galactic <laughs> politics. Yeah, exactly. Um so the novels that we've covered specifically on Beltway Bandas include Leia, Princess of Alderaan, uh, Inferno Squad, and especially both my and Steven's, one of our 
absolutely favorite novels of all time, I think, Bloodline by Claudia Gray, um, which takes place six years before The Force Awakens. And it's about Leia's political career in the Senate and her dealing with the changing tides in galactic politics and the uh, beginnings of the rise of the First Order in the galaxy. And it is so brilliantly written. It's a political, it's a really a political thriller in a lot of ways. And um, this isn't much of a spoiler because the book starts out with it. This was in a preview. Um, so maybe skip ahead if you don't want to listen to this. But it starts off with an explosion at a dinner party held for the senators. And it like they have to uncover this mystery of like who did this. And it leads Leia down this path to find this organization that's conspiring against the New Republic. And it's just, oh, it's so, so good. And it lets you know about the uh, political disagreements in the galaxy at the time, specifically between those who want um, more centralized authority in the galaxy versus those who want authority to be decentralized and with the planets. It's a really, really contentious issue, especially since the fall of the empire. I highly recommend Bloodline as one of your first entry points into the new canon. It's absolutely brilliantly written. Claudia Gray is a masterful uh, author and it gives you also just such great insight into Leia and what she's going through. And the thing about Princess Leia is that she's one of my favorite characters of all time. And that is simply because of her amazing portrayals in the films in and of themselves. And, but both Bloodline and Leia Princess of Alderaan, both written by Claudia Gray, like you were saying earlier, Adrian, gives you this this new level of detail on this amazing beloved character and allows you to have some of the background about why she is the way she is and how her parents and others, her friends, have contributed to being the amazing person that she is. And it gives you deeper insights into her motivations. And I suppose I love the novels and the films, you know, relatively separately on their own, but I love their connection in terms of how they both contribute to the amazing character of princess slash senator slash general Leia and her journey through life and how she's been able to deal with so much tragedy and so much strife to forge herself into being a stronger leader. And I think that's amazing. And it's like that for so many other characters in the books and in the movies. Yeah. And I think, you know, without Carrie Fisher, I don't know if we're ever going to get those stories told, but because of people like Claudia Gray and the novelizations, we do get those stories told um, and we get deeper insights into, you know, how did we get to the new Republic from uh, Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens, and it does cover that gap for the politics really well. Uh, from my own perspective, I think, although it's not officially canon, I think the Darth Plagueis book does a great job of just telling the story of how Emperor Palpatine masterminded his way into turning basically everybody in the galaxy against each other just so we could take power, um, you know, in the prequels. It's, it's really, really great. It really makes that uh, some of the things that people hate about the prequels is too much politics, but I think the dark plagues book really kind of shines light on like what's going on in the background right. of all that stuff and makes the, the story of Darth plague is the wise, just that much better. In <laughs> Revenge of the Sith for me, because you just, I, I just see it. I just see it in my head. Every time I see that scene now. 
Absolutely. I like- I, I, sorry, I just want to contend that I actually don't think it's necessarily the politics in and of themselves in the prequels that people don't like, but rather the execution of them. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'd agree there because I actually love the politics in the prequels and in the Clone Wars series, but it's the execution of them in the prequels that I don't like. But I can also see somebody going in to watch and be like, what's all this politics and talky talk doing in my lightsaber movie? <laughs> so I totally yeah. see that side as well. <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all the bases. You know what I mean? I, try, I just try to play the middle ground. Cause I personally like the politics. I don't, I think it's, I thought all the no, I, maneuvering no, is amazing. No, I love it. No, Adrian, you know, you know, I love the politics. Yeah. Like I don't like the prequels as films generally, but I love a lot of elements in there, including the politics, but like it's like watching it on screen is like different from thinking about it later. <laughs> I will say this though, yeah. this is this is absolute proof. And if you've listened to other episodes, you know this. Adrian is always the middleman, always making sure that we stay balanced <laughs> in what we're doing. We love you for yeah. it, Adrian. Hey, you know, someone I don't I don't mind at all, you know. Uh <laughs> so Unless uh memes. I'm completely on the against skybeams aspect. On the other aspect, never be middle ground for skybeams. You can never tell me it's going to be a good thing ever again. Um, So to the next, but why though? I think why um, Disney's takeover of you know doing this soft reboot is really important is because they brought back authors from Legend continuity that people really really love. and they allowed them to kind of go back and tell their stories that they did for Legends and kind of recanonize them and tell them and let them tell new stories that they've probably been thinking about for like all this time. So some examples, we mentioned Timothy Zahn earlier, who did the Thrawn trilogy for Legends. His new book, the Thrawn book, came out not too long ago, and he has a creative insight on him in the Star Wars Rebels show. So you basically get the Thrawn that you loved back in the day here now because they let Timothy Don go back and kind of canonize that. You have Paul Kemp, who did a lot of my favorite Old Republic stuff. He did the Lords of the Sith, which is basically a buddy cop with Darth Sidious and Darth Vader, basically. Um, James Lusano, who Swar mentioned earlier, who did the Darth Plagueis book, and he did a lot of the New Jedi Order stuff. He's done Tarkin, which is also really, really great, especially if you like political maneuvering. Um, and just backstories on this old creepy man and how he got that way. That was I a great one. This, that is one of the like Empire books I really want to read. Like really, really bad is Tarkin. Tarkin's really, really good. I like Thrawn a little bit better, but Tarkin is definitely solid. I, I, I just want yeah. the Carrion Spike in a movie so bad. <laughs> and I think that I think that's so why I, I think it is like just my love of Tarkin in the movies that makes me want to go find out more from a book called Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the audiobook, Kate. I'm on it. Hey, Kate. Uh, Since we're not sponsored by Audible, for those of you who want to go listen to these books on Audible, you can go do a free trial and then just return your book after you're done listening and then you get another credit. Or you could attempt to use like hashtag but why though and maybe they secretly sponsor us. I don't think they do, but they should. Uh, yeah, they I mean, should. if they ever, <laughs> if they ever, if they ever do, we'll just come back and just edit this episode, and then it'll be like it never happened. So exactly. we'll make it work. Uh, then you also have the from a, a certain point of view that just came out recently, which is basically 
a telling of of different stories inside of a new hope basically so just like lots of like side character stuff and you know who was what was that guy thinking about in the star wars cantina when he saw obi-wan chop off a dude's hand kind of stuff and they brought back a whole bunch of um authors from this new continuity and the old continuity to come in and write on that and you can really kind of get the feel of listening to that on audiobook as well because they kind of bring in different voice actors to do the audiobook the audiobook for that one is fantastic but you can kind of feel having you know read these authors in the past and then the ones now you kind of get the feeling of their like own flavor in that in from a certain point of view too so it's really really great that they put together like all of those stories together and i don't know if we would have been able to have that without disney taking over And this isn't me praising disney i'm just a highlight of them doing it in my opinion i think some of disney's marketing and like company ideas really work like for the long run some of them don't some of them fall really really flat and can hurt a fandom but i think there are a lot that you can maneuver to make good things come out of them. But I think a lot of that also has to do with the sheer size and money behind Disney. Yeah. Um, that they don't put strangleholds like they probably could or would if it was a smaller company. So, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> um, and we've talked about this just a little bit um, towards other soliloquy, soliloquy about um, Leia kind of speaks to this. And I think why like those books are so great is because Disney brought in female authors to tell the female stories. So you get it from a, a different perspective than we've really gotten in the past. So uh, the two big ones are going to be Claudia Gray, who's done Bloodline, Lost Stars, and Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which are some of my favorite books so far in this new, this new canonization. And then you have Delilah S. Dawson, who does Phasma, um, which is taking the world by storm yeah. right now. I just finished Phasma like three days ago. I absolutely love it. And I just want to say about it, it's a very unconventional novel. Uh, not e even besides Star Wars standards, just generally. And the way the narrative structure is put into play and the types of characters you get in there and the varying perspectives, it's done in such a, an intriguing and really sort of mesmerizing way I, I highly recommend this novel just as a lover of literature even if you don't read star wars that much like check out phasma because it's an awesome like literary experience yeah i'm glad you said that because that's how i felt when i was listening to it as well and it's why it's one of my first but why those is some of these books really can just stand on their own as just great novels like the characters in the phasma um, novel like I legitimately hate Phasma because of this book, and I think that's a good thing for in my perspective. <laughs> like, 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 like you hate her in the way you should hate a villain. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Like this book made me hate her because she is a villain, and that's how I'm supposed to feel. Um, you know, I love I love Cardinal in it. He's kind of like the the opposite of Phasma. Basically, he's for for our listeners and for Kate who might not be familiar. He's basically uh, Phasma if you painted her red. Uh, and and, so, and his armor <laughs> sounds legit and like a cardinal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's just really great, and you should go check it out. And just kind of along those same lines too. I know um, over Twitter, you're listening to two of the people who were on the Star uh, Star Wars Rep Matters hashtag on Twitter, um, uh -huh. and you get a wide perspective of different representations in these books that we haven't really seen quite yet. We're getting there, but you get these kind of representations in the books right away if you don't want to wait 
to the movie comes out, you can get some really great stuff representation wise in these books. And that yeah. was something oh, I was, and that, that was something too, because uh, Suara kind of led the grouping of everybody for uh, Star uh, Star Wars Matters hashtag on Twitter, as well as Star Wars is a girl thing too. Um, but we were both heavily involved in that. And one of the things that I learned not reading the books and knowing that my only exposure was just the games, was just the the visual media. There is such a wide, wide world. It sucks that I have to dig through to get it, but it is there. And like, I can't wait to kind of dig it, especially like, uh, so for like, so the Leia books, the Ahsoka book and Inferno Squad are like top on there for me because I've heard that they're just really great characterizations of, of women and diverse women. And so that's something that I'm really looking forward to. And I would not have found that that well i mean adrian tells me all the time so I, I but i find out from adrian in a different way than i found out from watching people use our hashtags and tell their stories and their connections with these characters that they didn't get anywhere else so that's something that makes me really really happy to start down the road of audiobooks <laughs> oh kate i'm so happy to hear you say that and yeah like uh the star wars rep matters tag um like it definitely a lot of people were like referencing the novels and comics and you know i, I think that's I, I think it's fantastic that's why these novels matter so it does allow that diverse range of representation and for people to see themselves in this beloved universe we all love but you know i also have to say that i think it is it, it is easier essentially in the politics of our society today to have for example a black queer woman like grand admiral ray sloan who is amazing she's an incredible character and i want to see her in live action or at least in animation but at the same time you recognize that in tv and film they are still uh I don't know they're still uh they still just, view things as risk and yes, I, I they yeah. still view things as risk that's the perfect way to put it and it's so incredibly frustrating you know it's just put the character on screen and let audiences enjoy them as they will but the studio execs still see a certain default in their media and won't you know like put that on there and it's so frustrating. And again, I love the representation we're getting in the novels. I love seeing like people using the hashtag to express their love of this. And we need to encourage more of it. We need to make it louder so that people in TV and film will say, hey, people want to see this, you know, not just in the books and novels, which is great on its own, but it just conveys why representation matters. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that point, Suara. Um, like, just not to counter it because I'm not, like, discrediting it because I agree with it, but I, like, when I, when I saw the amount of diversity, and when I say diversity, I don't just mean women and, you know, ethnic minority characters. I mean characters with disabilities, with different, with uh, different sexualities. Like, there's so, there's a wealth of characters in this universe. And when I stop it, I think of, like, comics is something that I have always read. I mean, I've fallen out of it, but, like, 
there aren't that many characters that have solo books in that way. Like they just canceled almost all of the 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 Latinx character like solo comic books for characters. Like Blue Beetles canceled, Nova got canceled. Like so, there's yeah, a lot of that sucks. stuff happening. And so the one thing I will say, knowing that this content is there, and knowing that we've already got in Clone Wars, we've got in Star Wars Rebels, and Star Wars Rebels is really diverse, and just oh, yeah. like we're on a path where Lucasfilms and Disney both have a roadmap of a world that is diverse. They're not having to like, if you like, cause one of like a lot of the things with gatekeepers is that they read all the books. And if you can't tell them when the battle of Yalvin happened, then they'll get mad at you. But these are in the books and these are in the yeah. comics. So when they do bring them to film and when that does happen, that type of pushback that happens in other realms that I, it's still going to happen because some people yeah. stuck, but I don't see it being as amplified. And that's because Star Wars, ha I mean, and I haven't read them. So if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, like call me on it, Adrian and, <laughs> and Suara. But just from what you're saying, like yeah. having this roadmap that is a, div a diverse universe that has a piece for everybody to have a stake in, mm -hmm. that's a lot easier to bring to film than like that is an easier risk. And I think that's happening. Yeah. And I think we've, I think the sequel trilogy has proven Absolutely, that 100%. they're taking yeah. steps towards this. They're small. But they're taking the steps, and I think sure, that's really important. Yeah. And it 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 makes me happy because I think I, I was like, Adrian, who's Ray Sloan? And Adrian was just like, Ray Sloan's awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was exactly. like, well, I gotta know more about <laughs> Ray Sloan now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it's so easy to forget the awesome progress we're making. Yes, just look at the cast of Rogue One, The Force Awakens, look at the main cast of Rebels, and we are making these incredible strides. And yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I, I don't know, it's not that I let that slip my mind or anything, but maybe it's because I'm seeing, because we see it so like easily put into the novels where it's not considered that revolutionary at all. And the thing is with, film and TV, it is considered revolutionary because of that visual medium. It's very interesting to think about, you know what I mean? And yeah, we, we are on that upward trend and it is only, only, only going to increase. And I don't know, I, I guess it's like sort of interesting. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just like reflecting on why I may feel a certain way about the diversity and representation I want to see on screen as much as possible. And maybe it's when we're comparing the vast, vast array we have in the books and comics to what we see in TV and film. And TV and film has been making strides, but maybe not quite as much as we see in the books and novels in terms of the vast array it has. So very interesting food for thought. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Yeah, y'all hit it. I mean, I have nothing else to add because those are literally both of the points I wanted to make that you both made individually. Oh. So, <laughs> sorry, Adrian. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to no. That's, that's why you guys are here. That's just not just me talking the whole time. I'm, I'm good with that. But I think this brings me to my, my last point, and what I usually end all of my episodes episodes I lead with is that we get some really great speculation and conversation about the future stories of the Star Wars universe because of these books. For like for example, like 
um, are they retelling the story of Han and Leia's kids with Kylo Ren and Rey? You know, one good kid, one bad kid. Um, are we going to get people from the the books like Ray Sloan uh, and such on the big screen? Um, are we going to get more standalone movies of, of things based on Legends material like Boba Fett, which they haven't said that he's dead officially, so we might get that. Um, and things like, uh, are there new movies that are recently announced that are supposed to be completely separate from the continuity now? Does that mean we're getting Old Republic stories? Or does and that mean the we're new getting... television show. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. are we getting something completely, totally different? Like, what, what are we you getting? Live there? action TV, yeah. Yeah, and if you no, have like, two, like, over, like, 300, 400, you know, stories to go off of, you know, there's lots of room for talk and speculation, for sure. I want to say, especially in regards to bringing up the live action TV series, is that Star Wars is hitting the cylinders on almost every single medium they can. And that's part of why Star Wars is going to remain until way after we're old and gray and they are playing a very effective strategy in that in this kind of connectivity and again like built building all these different and vast array of materials and i think that they're playing the game very well and i think that each medium has its own specific attributes to enjoy it and for example with the novels it's that deep insight it's those character soliloquies it's the exploration of themes such as politics such as um identity such as culture such as things that you'll read other novels or literature for and it's really like start like for example i was at barnes and noble the other day and i remember that growing up Star Wars would always Star Wars novels the expand the legends novels would always be in the sci-fi section. Now Star Wars has its own section completely separate from everyone else. And that just shows how they are becoming a genre onto themselves if that makes sense. And again, like being able to inhabit that space of the novels and have that deep exploration of themes and using the medium of the novel in the way that Star Wars does is really remarkable. Why do you got to be so eloquent? <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know how to follow that up. Do uh, you have any thoughts on the conversation, Kate? Uh, no, I kind of used my kernel of knowledge with like the diversity stuff. <laughs> well, hey, it was, it was awesome knowledge. You're hey, you know, no, I, that I, works. I think, I think overall... Um, I mean, I've kind of gone on this journey with wanting representation and stuff. Like, I don't think we need to tick boxes. I don't think there needs to be, I don't think there can't be, and like, we need a movie with absolutely no white people. Like, I, I, like, I've been on this journey and I think what happens is when I know that there's stuff out there, like a lot of that response that I used to have to material, like with comics or movies or like that type it, it came from me not really knowing that people are actively working to put that in the pipeline and get that out there and that there was material that i could go read and for me the like i dove deeper into comics and i found stuff and i had really great conversations with people and i think for star wars specifically the books 
they give me hope. Like that's like the whole Star Wars line now, right? Like the Star Wars universe and novels, like they give me hope that it's, the movies are catching up to the representation in the books. And hopefully like as they're expanding themselves across everything, they're going to be telling us damn good stories with people from everywhere. And honestly, I kind of want more aliens now. Like, I feel like there's so many damn humans and I'm kind of like, can we just get some non-humans please? We're in space. Oh yeah. More droids. Yes. Aftermath gives you a great droid. Oh, I need that. I love droids. Like I, I, I think that's also something that it's something that I've never really liked in my sci-fi is like really anthropocentric, like looking at things. And so I like the human centered story, like obviously like that's what we're going to link to, but I like it when people take the strides to humanize things that we're not necessarily familiar with, which is why I'm really excited for shape of water from Guillermo the total. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, if star Trek has been doing it for decades, I I think that's what it is. Yeah. Like why can't (laughs) star Wars, why can't we, you know, have our own Klingon. Give me more Ahsoka's. Like, I, or think that, like exactly. I think that that is like, that is one of the re- well, one Ahsoka is just a badass, but I think that is one of the reasons why I really, really love her. Like I identify with her because of her moral stance and walking away from the Jedi council. But I, I like, she's different. She's different in a different way than everybody else around there. Same with Ventress. Like, Oh, I love Ventress so much. Oh Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that actually added anything to the conversation other than I'm no, hyped. I think, I, I'm no, hyped no, AF to start it, reading. <laughs> it, it, I think it definitely does because I think uh, we do need more alien characters. And even in the books, we really don't get too many, to be honest. Like it's still, yeah, we don't. It's, weird, it's pretty still human centric other than the droid in the Aftermath series, which by on audiobook, by the way, it sounds amazing because they do all like the, the crazy warbling and stuff like that. It's really, really great. Do they do it like a. Um, like is it is it a cat or, or is it a casted audiobook like where they have different voices for everything? Is it? It's not casted, but I think they do something when the droid talks. I don't think it's the That's actual awesome, guy. Though. I think like Auto Tune's yeah. voice. It's it's legit. Like it's okay. it, they don't they're not taking any shortcuts on on doing his voice. Um, Phasma, you get a little bit of different of different races and stuff. Uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, you get some. A little bit of it. it. It's here and there, but it's definitely not at the forefront. So I would also like to see some more of that at the forefront, especially in the movies, because it's all these species. I'm tired of seeing them just in the background. Like, why are humans such jerks taking over everything? Yeah, because I also don't want to take Tell credit for saying. <laughs> like, I also don't want to take credit for that because I actually think Adrian and I have had a conversation about needing more aliens in Star in Star Wars, and I was kind of like, yeah, hey, it's okay. I make, makes I hashtagged it in, in the hashtag. It's it's in there. It's. it's <laughs> yeah, uh, all I know. <laughs> so this has been some great con- conversation. I think we've really hit everything that I wanted to hit. Um, so we can wrap up. I think Kate just gave some really great final thoughts as uh, someone who isn't involved in the novelizations. So I would just like for Suara to give me three of your top books to get someone into the novelizations. If Ooh. someone said, hey, what do I read? Give, give me three. Oh, three. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to say 
Well, I'm just going to say two of the books I've talked about, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and uh, Bloodline, both written by Claudia Gray. They both give you tremendous insight into the character of Princess Leia and the political state of the galaxy. So having that background info will inform how you'll be perceiving some of the events in A New Hope and The Force Awakens. And for my third book, I would definitely say Christy Golden's Inferno Squad. This book gives you tremendous insight into the imperial point of view and why people would genuinely want to follow the Empire. Obviously, we know the Empire is evil. They are the fascists of the galaxy, and they're keeping the galaxy at bay and a lot of its citizens under the uh, their, heel, their heel, which is horrible. But it, you still want to know why people support them and why, you know, people in the Empire, besides being simply conscripted, do fight with a passion against the rebellion and why some may perceive the rebels to maybe be the bad guy. And it offers you a lot of varying sort of gray perspectives of good and evil on both sides of the galactic civil war. And it, Chrissy Golden writes it tremendously. She's a brilliant author. And I also love the main character, Iden Versio, who like really sort of, provides the lens through which you see these varying perspectives of morality in the galaxy. And it is just fascinating. So yeah, those would be my three. Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Bloodline, and Inferno Squad. I like it. Those are all really, really great choices. Um, I'll do a kind of like swinging, you know, you know, a wide variety. So if you're, because I don't know what kind of person you are, listener. So I'm going to give you a few different ones to, to go after. I think the first thing I would recommend is going back and listening to the novelization or reading the novelization of your favorite Star Wars movie. I think that should be the first thing you do because then you get, you can understand kind of like the insights that they're getting into that you would have never known about your favorite Star Wars movie. Um, the second thing I would recommend, whether kind of kind of books books you like i think the um the lost stars kind of gets you on two fronts it gets you on the why would someone want to follow the empire front um that swara mentioned but it also gives you a pretty good love story it's not it's not it's not too bad i like it you know it's pretty good so you kind of get that and then for a third book if you just want like an action-packed you know, you want to visualize people getting chopped up with lightsabers, I would go with Lords of the Sith because that's literally just buddy cop, Vader and Palpatine just wrecking people and you get some Royal Guard stuff in there. That sounds awesome. Um, and yeah, so it's really, really good. So I would go with reading your fir- your favorite uh, Star Wars movie, novelization, uh, Lost Stars, and then Lords of the Sith as kind of a wide arcing thing that doesn't, you know, already mentioned the books that swore mentioned those are awesome choices that's it. Adrian. huh say again those are awesome choices i was just saying yeah yeah those are awesome <laughs> okay okay <laughs> no yeah i mean you're, you're awesome choices as well because you're some of my some of my favorite books i just want to like copy i don't want to copy uh copy catalyst because i really do like that book it's it's really really amazing uh because like i like catalyst because 
and this is like, I guess my honorable mention mm-hmm. to copy a little bit, just because we don't know anything about that story and everything that happened, yeah. I was like, oh, whoa, 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 political intrigue, whoa, backstabbing, whoa, manipulation. <laughs> and, you know, for other stories, yeah. you kind of know more or less, like, if you read Lords of the Sith, like, you know that they're going to live, they're not going to die because they don't die until the sixth movie. But so, just my uh, little aside for the catalyst. Question. Is there yeah. a Cassian? Like extra stuff on Cassian? Oh, there's a comic. There's a okay. comic where comic. he and K- he, where he and K two S O meet for the first time. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. Um, yep, yeah. and that's all I really got. And like I said, and just with that last little mention of Cassian, like there is a whole bunch of other stuff in comics, <laughs> like literally Poe Dameron comics, Darth Vader comics. Um, you can go on adventures with Lando. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do in the comics. And to be honest, um, a lot of the but why those for the comics are going to be exactly the same, just with pictures and a little <laughs> bit faster paced, basically. So um, I there's will also say this, that bit as well. Yeah, I will say this. I was told, and I'm actually like looking in for after we buy people presents for Christmas, um, getting Marvel Unlimited because uh, I believe all of the Star Wars comics are available on there for $9.99 a month. As well with, I think it's like six months backlog of all the Marvel um, issued comics. So you can stay up to date without having to go buy a whole bunch of single issues or wait and be like two storylines behind in trade volumes if you're like me and only buy trades. So yeah. I will be moving to that. Check they, it out. They're also not paying us either. So that's. This is true. Yeah. They all <laughs> Don't go should. do it because we told you to do it. because you guys want to get some advertisers. Out. Come on. We've been trying. I know. I know. It's a struggle. It's I'm just so like, hard. I'm just giving you crap right now. I'm sorry. Oh, no. It's it's perfectly fine. You're such a nice guy. I totally got that you were joking. Don't apologize. Oh, man. I always apologize. All right. That's all I got. Uh, thanks for letting me kind of talk you into listening to some audiobooks, Kate, because I think you'd really, really <laughs> like them. I think anyone anyone who's listening to the podcast or listened to this episode for this long, uh, you're obviously a Star Wars fan, and you can do yourself a service by just, you know, going to listen to one, you know, take take our recommendations into account and get out there and enjoy the fandom. Yeah. So, Suara, where can everybody find you? Y'all can follow me on Twitter at SwaraSaleh1. That's S-W-A-R-A-S-A-L-I-H-1. You can follow me on Instagram at Swarto. That's S-W-A-R-T-O. Can't promise I'll post a lot of Star Wars stuff. Mostly I post pictures of food. It looks delicious. I know. Thanksgiving at my aunt's was so good. Um, Yeah, and I also love cooking. So, you know, I'll just like post photo. Maybe I'll try to do something Star Wars themed. I have a Darth Vader toaster that prints Star Wars on toast, so maybe I should print a uh, uh, post more of that. <laughs> but anyway, you can follow my podcast on Twitter, Beltway Banthas at Beltway Banthas. Um, you can follow my co-host Stephen Kent at Stephen underscore Kent eighty nine. That's Stephen with a ph. And uh, yeah, so I uh, hope I'll see you guys on there. And we'll actually be having Steven on. So you can hear the other half of Beltway Banthas uh, to talk about the Empire. So stay uh, tuned for all of our Star Wars specials coming this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, you can find the podcast at But Why Though PC on Instagram and Twitter. We are most active on Twitter. And you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash But Why Though PC. You can subscribe to us on Patreon. 
uh, just put in But Why Though podcast on there. And uh, we're kind of all over the place. So iTunes, all those things, go do that. And you can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitter and Instagram. Adrian? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. Just don't tweet me Star Wars spoilers until after December 14th. He's wearing a Punisher hat. He will find you. I will find you. That's literally the uh, how my, my horror movie starts. <laughs> nice. That would be my serial killing thing. Killing people who do spoilers. I was going to say, Adrian, I totally respect that. I am staying away from all marketing. I'm staying away from... I love my Star Wars podcast. But I'm staying away from a lot of them right now. I'm not watching Collider Jedi Council, which I love in these next few weeks. I go in completely clean. Don't want any more. <laughs> okay, so Suara, last question. How will we be exiting this show? What music would you like? Princess Leia's theme, because we've been talking a lot about I've been talking a lot about her. So yeah, Princess Leia for the win. That was the quickest response ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean like all other times I spend like five minutes trying to think of a theme, so yeah. <laughs> awesome thank you so much right, thanks again. for our love you i love you guys too awesome just a couple more weeks guys we can do this just a couple more weeks <laughs> stay strong <laughs> <laughs>